I, by nature, am a curious person. Uh, I'm not making this up. I I was at Beulah Beach at a camp, and I sat by a guy whose job it is to, he's in the oil sludge business. And, um, And for the next hour, I just loved the fact that I could talk to this guy. I learned so much about oil and, and all of the different ways that they, and all this, and, and at some moment in the conversation, he looked over at me and he said, Sean, like, like, you think people get bored uh, about this, like in the first few minutes? Um, and we've spent the last hour, I'm like, I love it. Uh, I just love to learn. I, I, Allie and I, we were celebrating our anniversary uh, a couple of weeks ago, 22 years. Aren't you impressed? That's good. So, so the, uh, some of you are like, you're just getting started, buddy. But uh, best decision I ever made in my life was to marry Allie. Um, but we were away and we were in Vermont and um, you, some of you have experienced Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I heard there was a tour that you could take. Now Ben and Jerry's makes uh, in their different factories around the world about a million pints of ice cream a day. And uh, one of the factories that we visited, we got to, um, to learn about the process and some of the nasty flavors. They had one uh, flavor. So uh, it, we got a tour and the tour guide's walking us around and I'm just bombarding her with questions. And uh, one of my questions that I asked her um, was some of the grossest flavors that they've ever had. And she mentioned sweet potato pie ice cream. That sounds gross. Uh, She also mentioned a uh, caramel swirl pickle ice cream, which was a thing for a day there, I guess. So so as I'm bombarding our guide with questions, um, I I hope she didn't get too annoyed by me. I asked her, what's the biggest failure that ever happened at this factory? And she uh, described the time when they tried to do a certain kind of caramel, I think it was, and it, uh, it was too hot, and it went right to the bottom of all the pints. So at the p- bottom of every pint, there was a hockey puck worth of caramel at the bottom. I thought that was pretty funny. And um, I realized something about my nature um, that actually helps me to study God's Word. And I want to give you permission in this area. One of the ways that one of my professors in seminary used to talk about studying God's Word he said it's, it's appropriate for us when we study these experiences that happened in history or times that had taken place and other times that it's appropriate for us to bombard scripture with questions. It's appropriate for us to put ourselves in the circumstances and to say, well, what would I feel like if I was there? What would it have been like to remember that this was a historical event that took place And I'm guessing for some of you in this room, when we start to talk about the Advent uh, and the experiences that surround Christmas and the excitement that surrounds it, that that it's a challenge for us at times to sort through what is the fact and and what is the fiction? What, What are the things that really took place and what are the things that we believe because we've sung hymns about them? Uh, that may or may not be true. And, and the questions that come up at this time of year, I'm guessing for some of us, it's really valuable. And this is a part of the series that we're gonna go into, is to recognize for those of us who associate with Christ, uh, for those of us who do the church thing, for those of us who are, um, love the privilege of being able to study God's word together and exalt his name together in this kind of a setting, Uh, the Advent carries with it personal, intimate meaning. For for others, there are questions that people have, and for some of them, the distinction between even the belief in something like Santa Claus, to say, 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 do we believe in something that we don't know if it's true, or how does it, is that what faith means when it comes to Christmas? Is that what Christmas's meaning is? Are there people who sit in a room and just stand back and say, well, I really hope that's true. 
Or is it that they recognize that what has been done historically is something that's incredibly true? And this morning, as we turn our hearts to God's word, we're going to look at two verses. And as we study these verses, I want to give you permission that it's okay to ask the hard questions about the Bible and the events that have taken place in history, to ask why, to ask what would it have been, what it would it have felt like to have been back in that time period in history. And some of you appreciate Max Lucado like I do. He describes those in-between spaces like this. He says, the white space between Bible verses is vertical, is fertile soil for questions. One can hardly read scripture without whispering, I wonder. Uh, I love his list that he has, and I want you to think of some of your own. He says, I wonder if Eve ever ate any more fruit. Um, I wonder if Noah slept well during storms. I wonder if Jonah liked fish. <laughs> Did Moses avoid bushes? Did Jesus tell jokes? Did Peter ever try walking on water again? I like that one. What would be your questions? He goes on to say um, about the Bible that he describes it like this. Like the Bible is like a, a fence full of knot holes through which we can peek, but not always get to see the whole picture. It's a scrapbook of snapshots capturing people and encounters with God. But there's nothing in Max Licato's word that stirs more questions as does the birth of Jesus Christ. Characters appear and disappear before we can ask them anything. The innkeeper, too busy to welcome God. Did he ever learn who he turned away? The shepherds, did they ever hum that song the angels sang? The wise men who followed the star, what was it like to worship a toddler? Did uh, Joseph is one that Max mentions that he'd love to talk to, and I agree with him. Can you imagine interacting with Joseph especially? I've got questions for Joseph. He says, did you ever arm wrestle with Jesus? <laughs> did, did Jesus ever let you win? I love that. Did you ever look up from your prayers and see Jesus listening? Whatever happened to those wise men? Whatever happened to you, Joseph? Those, those questions come up. And this, this morning, I want to give you permission. And I, I think this is important. I think this is really important. I want to give you permission, wherever you're at in your journey with the Lord, to be willing to bring to the surface in this series that we're going to go through your questions, things that you've wondered about. And for some of them, uh, they may be things that are answerable, that there's really good answers for the questions that we have. For others of them, there may be divine mystery that associates with those questions that we have but I, but I think it's important for us when we consider Christmas that it's appropriate for us to ask the question, why? Why was Christmas necessary? What, why did it happen when it happened? What, what were the events that took place? What about the supporting cast that surrounded Jesus and uh, the incredible story of the message of hope that came? Why then? Why does this matter? What, why do we, we celebrate this thing, Christ Mass? Why is it so essential? And I think it can boil down to a question that the Lord Jesus asked in Matthew chapter 16 when he says, who, who do they say that I am? And he said to his disciples, who do you say that I am? In other words, who was really in the manger on that day? As we wrestle with these questions, we're going to recognize something that is important to us. And that is, as those of us who've experienced 
um, the, the love of Christ personally, that our questions may be different than those who are outside of this space. And so we want to make room for a skeptic's guide to Christmas. Uh, we want to make room for people to stand back and ask their questions and recognize this, this simple truth. Today we're going to focus in on the wise men. Now, we're, we're going to focus in on individuals who pursued the Lord Jesus based on, on things that, that we're not even really sure the details of what led them to, to follow and pursue the, the possibility of the king of the Jews. And as we watch this play out, I want us to capture that spirit of curiosity and, and pursuit and deliberate anticipation and expectation that there's answers to the deepest questions that we have and so today I want to give you permission and I want us to, throughout these next several weeks, uh, be willing to do three things each time we approach these questions. The first is to have permission to be inquisitive, to, to ask questions, to be curious, to, to wrestle with it. Is this true or did that happen or what would that have been like? Uh, but the next one, and this is the real challenge I think for many of us, is to move into the mode of being informed. Uh, to, to do the hard work, to ask those questions, but then also to spend the time to say, well, what does God's word teach us about that truth? Are there clear answers for the questions that we have? And then the last thing that I want to focus in on this morning and throughout the series is to be intentional, that, that we want to be deliberate about applying the truth that we've studied and heard and recognized in scripture in such a way that it actually impacts the way we live our life outside of this room. I believe in my heart that wise people still seek Jesus. Uh, uh, when, I, when I went through my Ben and Jerry's tour, there was a guide that was there. And I, I want to recognize this morning um, that you and I have the privilege, those of us who've experienced Christ in our own life, that we have the potential ability to be a guide, a bit like that star uh, that we will recognize today as we study these first few verses of chapter 2 in the book of Matthew that the star was a guide. It, it helped them to identify Jesus. Uh, I, I think you and I have the privilege of being a guide as well to help others to uh, understand who he truly is. So, so this morning, um, if you'll join me on this journey, I, I wanna just take a minute and just pray that the Lord would speak to us uh, in this series, that he draw names to our minds of people who may need to hear this message. And I think it's not just for them, but it's for us. Um, and I also want to give you some space to, even in your notes, there's intentionally space on your bulletin. Or for those of you who use the online version, I know on version, there's a space where you can take some notes. But I want you to write down or consider the questions that you still have about Christmas. The, the questions about the Advent, the the story of Christ, the things that you wrestle with. And our goal in this time that we have together is to address some of those. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. I thank you that wise men still seek you. And I, I want to recognize the fact that uh, we can learn from those who don't know you yet, uh, the deliberate pursuit they have of you. I pray in our time together today that you would help us to grow in our capacity to care about and to pursue those who have deep questions about you. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us uh, to be willing and honest intellectually to wrestle with the things that we need to in order to understand how great your true faithfulness is. Uh, we love you in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. 
I think it's good for us to be inquisitive. I think it's good to be curious about Christ and the details of Christmas. If you have your Bibles with me, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. And we're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 2. Let's read this together. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. I love the way that, that uh, those two verses end. We've come to worship him. That's the appropriate response to Jesus, by the way. Uh, it's why we've gathered together here at Hope Church this morning. And, and, and as we, we see these two verses, there's probably some questions that come to mind. I'm just going to share with you some of mine. Uh, so when we look at this, uh, this verse, um, these few verses, we see this reference to Herod. And, um, you know, it seems like every movie today is about the backstory of a, a person, right? Well, Herod had a backstory. Um, uh, he was, he was um, known as Herod the Great. Um, he was born in 73 BC. He was named the king of Judea um, by the Roman, Roman Senate. He was a great politician. He was someone who masterfully managed lots of responsibilities as an architect. I, um, when I was in Israel, I visited one of his palaces and there was a functional hot tub that he had built on the top of a mountain. Uh, a very creative man. We know that he helped to rebuild the temple and um, but he was also a man who, especially towards the end of his life, uh, as a Jewish man, a Jewish leader, one politically woven together within the Roman Senate, uh, would have put to death his wife. Um, he also put to death at least two of his kids. And, and there's probably something there about his story that he was powerful and when we hear the story of him putting to death the, the babies that were in that time period, what, what was happening towards the end of his life is that he desired to be a person who maintained control. He, he desired to be someone who, who controlled and protected what was comfortable for him. I think it's important for us to note that when we hear about this man who had the title king, and it's quite fascinating that the Wise men who are searching for Jesus uh, are looking for the king of the Jews. It says this in the text, Behold, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. So who were these so-called wise guys? It's uh, appropriate for us to understand these guys. The word for wise here is magi. Um, and it's a Greek word from which we get the word um, magi or a magician, and this would have been a complicated person. It would have been a person who sought truth in many places, whether it was the stars, uh, whether it was through astrology, whether it was through curiosity and asking questions of creation, whether it was through dreams. Uh, it's helpful for us to think of Daniel when he was in Babylon as being someone who, with his stories of interpreting dreams and things, that there, there, there was a part of this that, that a person who would have fit that title magi better than king, that would have been tradition later on, was a person who was curious, um, but, but moved into the mode of being, I think, a scholar of it. A, a person who didn't allow the hard questions to just be brushed off but instead wrestled with the hard questions. I want you to think with me today about the hard questions of life. I want you to think with me about those things that make us 
uh, make people struggle with Christianity. For some, it's just the miraculous. Can, can, can miraculous things happen? I, I think for some that have yet to experience that or see that in their own, um, in their own eyes, that there's a question, is this possible? Is it true? I think that there's others that look at creation and experiences and they recognize that there is a spiritual reality in the world that's around us. I think we're in a time period where people are sensitive to spiritual things, at times even hinting with flirting with demonic things, or we use that term astrology, and they're saying, well, maybe there's power in this. Maybe there's, there's something that's there that's worth recognizing. And we want to recognize the fact that there are people who've experienced those things and they're standing back and they're saying, well, there's power. I, I want to understand that power more. I, I don't know what your story is personally. I think it's fascinating that the Lord uses different experiences and different people to guide us into truth. But I think it's appropriate for us to stand back and say, these, these wise men were people who decided that they were going to try to answer questions. Most of us that study these passages recognize there was probably some kind of prophecy, uh, maybe a carryover from Daniel's truth that he had shared uh, when he was there, maybe um, something uh, from the priestly caste of the Chaldeans that, um, that there was something here that led them to use this word, born the king of the Jews, and, and so they're seeking something. They're honest inquirers after truth. And I think that it's fascinating that we give them the title wise men. And I think it's appropriate. They're seekers. They're seeking truth. And I think it's appropriate for us to recognize that they would have been familiar somewhat with some of the Old Testament prophecy like Numbers twenty four seventeen that says, A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So they had experienced glimpses of God. And they wanted more. Uh, Brothers and sisters, I want to take a moment right now and just remind you of our responsibility for those of us who know Christ. That our responsibility for those who have a belief and answer to the question, well, who who do you say that Jesus is? If you say that he's really your Lord, I think it's our privilege and responsibility to be people who are bold and comfortable and confident to be able to give an answer for the hope that we personally hold dear. That, that there's reasons why we hold our faith dear. I, I've shared here before that there was a book that I read as a teenager that was really meaningful for me. And it um, was a reference to, to students that were Christ-following students. And the, question, the statement was, don't check your brain at the door, was the title of it. And, and the, the point was to say, as Christ followers, not all of our belief is based on blind obedience uh, but, but there's times when we wrestle with truth and we study and understand God's word and we inquire and in that process, we actually find great confirmation in, our tru- in the truth that God has given us. I think others are asking the hard questions uh, around us and I think it's appropriate for us to recognize that. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a pastor, retired pastor in New York uh, by the name of Tim Keller. And uh, some of you know, he, he wrote a book with the title, The Reason for God. And in that book, um, so Tim's experience was different than mine. He was an adult, uh, kind of like Bob, um, that when he, when he came to Christ, uh, he recognized and used this term, intellectual hurdles that he had to wrestle with. 
Uh, one of them was personal hurdles that he had to wrestle with. How, when he studied the gospel, when he heard the Christmas story, when he heard the message of hope of the gospel, he had to wrestle personally with this, am I good enough for God to save me question? That's one hurdle. Uh, Tim uses that term like the track the, the, the track person having to get over a hurdle uh, in order to complete the goal, um, that's one of them. Another one was the intellectual hurdles that are really common today, like the problem of evil, the problem of pain. Uh, why do bad things happen to good people? And, and Tim had to wrestle with those painful things, the exclusivity of Christ. How can we claim that there's one way to salvation? Um, and so there was a personal challenge uh, that he had some of those hurdles. There was an intellectual challenge that he had to get over. Um, and then there was also a community challenge for him. And that was, and this is really valuable for us. I want us to catch this, is that when he was a non-believer, uh, one of the primary ways that he recognized that he wasn't sure if he wanted to be a believer or not was the behavior of Christ's followers that was around him. Uh, what were the values that they held, the way they put their faith into practice but what I want to celebrate, like me, uh, like many of you in this room, he made it over those intellectual hurdles. And he experienced the grace of Christ and it literally changed his world, right? Uh, for, for some of us, it's appropriate for us to stand back and to recognize that for some people, those questions have to be at least wrestled with and answered before they're willing to place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we say that they're seekers, they're um, there, there are people who stand back, and let's just, let's just pull this back into Christmas. Isn't it incredible that almost everybody that we know every year of their life have several, celebrated the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Um, everybody we know, if we ask them, why do we celebrate Christ Mass? Um, there would be some statement, I think they'd probably get to Jesus first before Santa Claus. Do you agree? Um, I think, oh, some of you disagree. All right, so, uh, but we know, at least they know that there's something about that, about the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but when you celebrate something from a distance and you don't know the details of it, I think it's appropriate for us to say, for some of them, there probably are some curiosity, some questions, some, some discussions that they've had mentally. Well, why would people believe this? I love this truth of Matthew chapter 7. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that these are true when he said this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. We want to recognize that we have the privilege of being a billboard representing the hope that the Lord Jesus has placed in our life. I think it's important for us to be people who recognize their hard questions, actually, and be willing to answer them in our own life. The second point this morning is we're, we're inquisitive. That's a great thing, but we need to take the next step to being informed. I think it's important for us to sort the fact from the fiction surrounding Christmas. That part is going to be really important to us. Uh, we take this stuff personally, that we recognize that we can help others understand and find the truth. So it's important for us to distinguish fact from fiction. Let's, let's catch this for a second. I think one of the sad things that happens, especially for those of us who've kind of have a mixture of our belief based on maybe songs that we've sung or things that we've heard not necessarily rooted in and established in the truth of God's word, is that we might find ourselves dying on a hill that really doesn't matter. You guys... You guys know that that happened historically 
um, uh, at one time in history when people had read the Bible uh, and that they believed that the Bible implied that the world was flat, right? You guys know this. Um, and so then at, at a time period in history, I know there's some people who still believe the Bible's flat. I mean, the world is flat, right? Um, but uh, I, don't, I, I think the Bible's flat, but I think there's some people that believe that the world... Um, but, but, but you understand that, that historically there were some people who, when they read Scripture... They decided to make that the thing that was so important to them that later on when, when there was better observation and understanding of creation and then looking back at scripture, there was an understanding that, that well, wait, wait a second, it's, it's possible that the world can be round and still God's word to be true. But if we choose to make certain things too important, like how many kings there were, or how many uh, magi, the, the details of, of Christmas Day uh, being the very physical day that Jesus was born on and our conviction on that fact, that there may be some things that, that don't show up in scripture at all, but that we allow those things to be so important that they can actually do more harm than good if we claim what is false to be true. So let's look back again at our verses, um, the first two verses of chapter two. And I want you to catch this part as we seek to be informed um, and understand what is really happening. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on this. I, I love nativity scenes. Uh, we have them from all over the world. If you visit my house, I've got a bunch of them. Uh, some, some of the things that we're going to study as we study this, it might challenge some of your nativity scenes a little bit. Uh, what we're going to recognize as we study this is that more than likely, uh, the text is going to share with us that Jesus was probably about a year old by the time that these wise men actually encountered Jesus. At that point, he's in a home. Um, what we know in scripture is that he's described as a child, which is the word uh, for someone who's not an infant. There would have been a different word for this. Um, we know about Herod's direct edict to destroy all the male children that were two years and under. Um, and we believe that helps give us a hint as to how old Jesus was, that um, we, we also know, this is interesting, that we know that these wise men bring gifts for the Lord, um, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, you guys know that that's why we use the term three, right? It's because of three gifts. Can you uh, imagine for a minute if, uh, if I asked you what you got for Christmas and you told me three gifts, and so I assume that you have two daughters and a wife, right? Because you had three gifts. That's Partially what we've done is we've assumed because of the gifts that it was just three kings, but we have no idea how big of a group this was. The assumption is that it was a larger group carrying with them uh, individuals that would have been traveling with them, and it would have been a, a group that got, gathered the attention of those that were around them. So when we, we meet these individuals, what we recognize is that uh, perhaps Jesus was older. Uh, you think of the gift, gold, frankincense, and myrrh as it was given to Jesus. That uh, we, we have this historical recognition that about 40 days after Jesus' birth, his traditional time period of being uh, dedicated in the temple, that they, uh, they gave a, um, the, uh, the gift or the recognition, the, the sacrificial gift was for the poorest of poor that was given there. And so... We're assuming that they had yet to receive the gold um, that would be given to them, the blessing. So, so we recognize that Jesus probably 
um, was a little bit older than the baby that was lying in the manger when the Magi came. And, it's a, it, and you might stand back and you say, well, what's the big deal? Uh, well, it's just helpful for us to understand that there, there may be details that surround the birth of Christ that we've just allowed ourselves to look at maybe a little bit differently. Uh, like this question of the star, this um, this statement in the text says, where is he who has been born, the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Uh, the question of the star is an important one. And some have looked at historical events that happened around that time period or considered terms like natural phenomenon, like a comet or supernova conjunction of planets that align together and uh, like you, many of us have been blessed by hearing some of those potential stories. Uh, but, but I want to celebrate and recognize what we see in the text about this particular star is that it shows up later in the text that it, it was something that was clear enough that, that challenged them, that helped them to travel, to find the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I want to catch this, and I think that it's important to note that that it could have been a physical star. It could have also been an angel that was interpreted as a, a light. The word that's used in Greek for this term is something that helps give us some latitude in understanding this. But I want you to catch this. I want you to, to, to use your sanctified imagination with me for a second. And I want to remember the fact that back in the time of, of Egypt, uh, in the time of the Exodus, that there were times when the very presence of God uh, allowed and guided and directed people ultimately to find their salvation, their security, their provision, their protection. And, and I want to celebrate for a minute, whatever that star was, we know that it's referenced here. I, I want to recognize the fact that it was God's handiwork drawing these individuals to ultimately find what they needed. Can, can you think in your own life of times that God has provided that kind of direction for you in your life? I sure have a bunch of those in my life. Times where the Lord guided me, directed me, encouraged me, affirmed something in my life that I desperately needed. And I want to even recognize that some of the things that we look at that are um, times where we stand back and say, I don't understand this, or I don't like this, or I don't get this truth, or how does this work? That, that I want to recognize that even those questions can help us to sense the leadership and guiding of God in our life. So we need to take this personally. We can help others to understand the truth. And it's appropriate for us to recognize that we can do more harm than good if we claim what is false to be true. So, so maybe it looked a little bit different than what we expected. Popular Christian images of the Magi clash with Matthew's account. The Magi were counselors, not kings. They bore three gifts, but their number, which is unstated, was large enough to cause a stir in Jerusalem later in the next verse. Contrary to some of our nativity scenes, they found Jesus in a house, um, not at this point in a manger. And, and even the date of December 25th um, is something that is... Uh, deeply in question and has more history and uh, celebration and based on calendars probably more so than it does about the intentional advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we can get hung up on the details. But what, what I want us to make sure that we recognize is these verses are recorded because we want to worship the fact that the Lord Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen? 
that, that we have a, a, a savior. And, and anytime we talk about Christmas, we have to keep Easter in the back of our minds. That, that we recognize that, that when Jesus came, he came as the perfect lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And so this gift of Christ is always connected to the recognition that God was doing something on purpose and for a purpose to bring himself glory and honor. So, so this morning, I want to remind you that the third point this morning is to be intentional. It's imperative that we act in response to the truth. I, I love the fact that these individuals that, were, um, that we call magi were, were pursuing and seeking Jesus at this point. They're they're trying to understand the truth for themselves. And I think it's appropriate for us to recognize that the truth should always spur us to action. Uh, we're not just curious. Uh, we're not just standing back and waiting to see what's going to happen. But we're intentional about putting our action, our, our belief into practice and action. I love this, this story. Uh, there's an old sign that hangs over a business in England uh, and it says this, we've been established for over 100 years and have been um, pleasing or displeasing our customers ever since. We've made money and lost money. We've suffered the effects of coal nationalization and coal rationing, the government control and bad payers. We've been cussed and disgusted. We've messed about, lied to, held up, robbed and swindled. Um, the only reason we stay in business is to see what's going to happen next. I like that, right? Um, th that's not it for us, right? Like that, we're not just going to wait and see what's going to happen next, but we want to be people who are intentional. Well, some of you know the geography, regardless of how far west the, the wise men were coming from, it's been estimated that it's at least 800 miles away. Averaging 20 miles a day or so, the trip would have taken about 40 days. So uh, this wasn't some light commitment by them to pursue the king of the Jews, but this was something that came at a cost. It was intentional. It was deliberate. I want us to recognize that understanding the truth should spur us to action. And I want to ask you to join me this morning as we pray about what God has for us as a church family, that there would be people that come to mind for you that you want to be intentional about inviting. Some of you know that there's a group that prays in between the services and it's uh, the, the, the time that that group gathers together is just to say, Lord, give us open opportunities to share your love with our community around us. Some, some have taken bulletins from church and gone to people's homes and literally knocked on doors and just invited individuals to come visit. Um, that may be something that the Lord's asking of you to do or some for some of you, it's inviting a family member. I know that we often do that on Christmas Eve and I'm gonna challenge you when we look at this series to consider doing this for the whole series, to invite them to come. We'll do our best to not embarrass you too much, all right? Uh, we'll do our best to try to recognize that, um, like it's okay for us to recognize that there are some things that happen in church that do require explanation. I was thinking about Sunday, uh, Wednesday night, those of you who joined us for the Lord's table here, and George Panna led us through the Lord's table. And at the end of the book of John chapter 6, the Lord Jesus said this statement. We didn't talk about it on Wednesday night, but something similar to it. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, um, then you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that people who don't do what we do think that that sounds weird, right? 
Uh, you guys know what I'm saying, right? It sounds bizarre. Um, in fact, it was described in that day as a hard truth. It was something that required understanding and interpretation. And in the larger context, we understand that Jesus is claiming to be the bread of life, um, the, the source of living water, the, the hope of, of all people, and the gospel is right there. But we also just want to recognize the fact that there's things about church that can come across weird. And I want us to recognize that we never compromise who we are. But there are times when it's appropriate. You think about an orientation that you've gone through for a new job or an opportunity that you have. Like Bob Hershey did this when he gave announcements. If we just use our code words, like stood up here, I know what botter is, B-O-T-R. Um, but if I'm not a regular in the church context, it might sound like something weird, right? So we define what we understand as truth. We articulate it in a way, hopefully, that, that people who don't know about it can understand it. And it does not diminish the value of the truth of God's word. It's just that we're recognizing that not all people understand it completely. And so we want to work on that. So I'm going to invite you to recognize this Advent series that we're going to be going through. Why Christmas is intended to be willing to ask hard questions. Not all of them are going to be addressed in the series. Um, but the idea is to give ourselves the privilege of being a guide to help people to wrestle with what I believe to be are some of the most important questions that a person can answer in their life. I think that it's possible for us to share the hope that we've found in the truth. And one of the ways, not the only way, maybe, maybe a less effective way that we have for that is to invite others to church. Uh, I think a more effective way is probably to invite others to church, but also to be willing to share our story. Um, but, but I'm glad, I'm honored that we get to give that gift to them. I believe that as we think about gifts and shopping and what is the greatest gift that we can possibly give someone, uh, I do believe that it's the message of Christ. I think it's the embodiment of the incarnation, the recognition that Jesus says to me, seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So, so, so I'm gonna challenge you. Will you join me on a journey as we go through this? Would you ask the hard questions that come up at Christmas time? We're gonna try to dive through some of those, the why then and why them and who was really in, the, um, who was really in that feeding trough that day. Um, so many years ago, uh, but at the, at the baseline of all of this, part of it's just going to be honest, that we want to major on the majors. We want to recognize the truth that God's word teaches us. We want to we push to the side maybe some of the traditions that don't always uh, identify or, or resonate with what scripture teaches, but in all of that, we want to exalt Christ together in the process. Are you willing to join me on this journey? Um, and you recognize the image that God's given us to be guides. So the star was a guide. I, I want to make sure you apply this in your life in this way. You and I, those of us who are Christ followers, have had people in our life who've been guides for us to understand the truth. And I'm praying that God brings to your mind people, family members, friends, who you may get the privilege of being the guide to help them to understand this truth for some of them, maybe for the very first time. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come forward. I'm gonna ask you to stand together with me as we uh, prepare to close our time out and worship. We're gonna receive our tithes and offerings. And I'm just gonna uh, ask you to just join me in saying, Lord, whom is it 
that you are asking today for me to pursue. For those of us in this room who have deep personal questions that are unanswered, uh, the next question would be, what is it that I need to be deliberate about asking in my own life so that I can be prepared to help others to understand? And then beyond that, Lord, we wanna be people who uh, offer back up to you, just like these wise men, uh, what is, I believe, the appropriate response to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that we want to we want to offer back to you worship worship uh, response to your faithfulness and your goodness that's what we want to do so we're going to do it today with our tithes and offerings we're going to do it as we close our time out and praise to you because we love you you're good your love endures forever in Jesus precious name we pray amen